Other tone, 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 tone. This episode includes detailed mentions of dehumanization and physical violence resulting in death. This is a true story. Drapetomaniacs uses dramatizations, primary sources, and the research of black historians to depict real events and historical figures. Today's episode stars Roland Martin, Brian Forte, and Nina Hibbler-Webster. Every year, black folk get together at the cookout to hold each other in celebration as a family. It's where life lessons are handed down from Big Mama, where you learn how to eyeball the sugar going into the Kool-Aid, and most importantly, it's how you learn where you stand in the plate-fixing hierarchy. The cookout is where the strength of your kinships and the brandy in your red solo cup is tested, especially when your cocky cousin tries to renege in spades. The cookout is probably why 53.7% of tables in black households have a wobbly leg that was damaged by an overexcited domino player. But how do you ensure that the vibes are just right? Besides having an adequate supply of aluminum foil, free-flowing brown liquor on deck, and Frankie Beverly blasting through a nearby Bluetooth speaker, see, a good cookout is less about the what, as in what are we celebrating, and more about the who, as in who all gonna be there, because y'all know I don't mess with everybody. Once the tunes are pumping, and the grill master's got the fire going, and the potato salad is in the safe hands of the one auntie we can all trust not to fuck up the sides, the cookout relies on the energy of the people there. So aside from um, everybody black. more specifically, everybody black who fucks with blackness, who else gets an invite? Jack Harlow is invited to the cookout. Oh, so just anyone can come? He wore a bonnet in public. Didn't he also get waves? He ain't coming. Pacey from Dawson's Creek? I don't know. Maybe if his wife brings him as a plus Oh, uh, yeah? Yeah, no. Yeah, no. I mean, she's coming. <laughs> she's definitely. I mean, I'll fix the plate for her. Of yeah. course. Yeah, we love her. Love Jody down. But even then, I really don't know. Will, what's going on? Big up, big up. It's your boy in the blood clot building. Wait, is that? I know somebody didn't bring Chet Hanks to the club. Boy, if you don't get your ass from around Look, here. Caribbean niggas said Adele's one of them now, so. We should probably respect that, right? See how quickly that got complicated? Here's a little known fact. I'm credited with coining the term invited to the cookout. Listen, I had no idea it would become the reference point it has turned into. To most white people, the cookout is kind of like critical race theory or clapping on beat without practicing. It's just some black internet lore. An imaginary space where we debate if non-black folks are invited to partake in our good time. Well, it's time you all found out the truth. The cookout as an institution isn't just a hypothetical. The cookout is overseen by the Black Legislative American Cookout Council, AKA Black. The Black Legislative American Cookout Council, or Black, is responsible for informing our constituents of the rules. And I know what you wanna ask, and the answer is no. Look, it's above me. That decision was ratified by the Council of Black Elders in 1868. I'm world-renowned cookoutologist Michael Harriet, and this is Drapetomaniacs, the unshackled history 
of the original 33 and the true story of why white people can't come to the cookout. We're chasing them no, crazy boys. No, 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 still not you. Big up. You why can go. is he still All here? Ah, uh, the cookout. <laughs> this is where black folks celebrate the present and commune with our ancestors. And in a world where black joy has been targeted by white supremacy at every turn, the cookout is a revolution. It's where drapetomaniacs gather to love each other in community and solidarity. And what's a cookout without some dope music? You're listening to WCOOK, The Cookout, your destination for the top jams and cookout conversations, bringing you the noise and the funk. The hits just keep on coming. What's up, what's up, what's up? Beautiful people, coming to your ears live from the actual cookout. It's Henry McNeil Turner, a.k.a. DJ Free Man, on the wheels of steel. Keep it right here on WCOOK, the cookout. We'll have you swinging and moving and rocking all day long. WCOOK. We get you through black history with nothing but the hottest jams, baby. We got more hits for you, so stay tuned. We are, uh, where are we? Uh, all, all right, folks. My producers tell me I can't say where we are precisely for safety reasons that will become apparent later. But if you can hear behind me, the black joy is kicking. Spades tables as far as the eye can see. People bringing coolers. People bringing grills. People bringing aluminum for. Hey, no aluminum for. No carry out. And save me some of that crown. And the bag. I use that for storage. For dominoes and roaches. Just give me the bag. Round royal bags. Go on and put some shit in there, player. Yeah, that's what the fuck I'm talking about. My cause today is a man white people have called concerning, and he's here to interview me. I know, feeling real special today, folks, but don't worry, I check, he ain't the op. Michael, Michael, Michael! I see you got your hoochie daddy shorts on. <laughs> Look at them fancy ass shades, too. <laughs> hey, hey, don't be telling my business on the airways, Representative. I hope you bought your leather sandals in case you got a man in the grill later. The kind with the back out, in case you need to run or break up a fight or do the electric slide. Nah, bro, trust me, y'all do not want to see my toes, especially while y'all trying to eat. But I got my loafers right here. Hey, Mr. Turner, can you tell the listeners a little about your background? Right to it, huh? Okay. I was born in 1834. Born free. Georgia Representative Henry McNeil Turner, a.k.a. DJ Friedman, grew up in South Carolina. He would become a minister in the AME Church and the first African-American chaplain for the United States Colored Troops during the Civil War. I used to pray all right. I prayed every day and I prayed every night that them Confederates would die. I prayed that. Every day. Turner was appointed to the Freedmen's Bureau in Georgia after the war. The Freedmen's Bureau was a federal agency set up to help newly emancipated black folks. That was in 1868, during the era known as Reconstruction. Turner settled in Macon and became one of the many black men throughout the South elected to their state legislature. Imagine that. A legally and honestly elected black man. Them white folks was frothing. 
after the Civil War, the 14th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution gave newly freed slaves in Georgia the right to vote. With the help of the Freedmen's Bureau, so many black people registered to vote that Georgia elected three black state senators and 30 black state representatives. In Turner, he was one of them. And they were known as the original 33. What was it like living through all of that? It must have been... Um, hold that thought, young blood. The producers are telling me the phone lines are buzzing. Also, my Casamigos is running low. Hey, look, homie. Yeah, you. Ain't you big round the kid? Yeah, look just like your daddy, boy. Go get me another. Because I said so, nigga. Yeah, exactly. No ice. Thank you. Kids these days. He's 30. Yo, what's up? This is DJ Freeman, Mr. Turner himself. And you're listening to WCOOK, the cookout. Call in if you want to chime in. Don't matter if you're dead or alive. Talk to the tribe. Hit 1-800-MAINLINE. Listen. Does that every time. I love it. Shit never gets old. That's 1-800-MAINLINE. Okay. Ask your question. How did it feel to be part of the original 33? How does anything new feel? Different, I suppose. At the time, I mean, it was cool. <laughs> it was great, actually. Exciting. It felt right. We were happy. The Confederates had just blown a three to one lead in the Civil War. The federal government ensured that black folks could vote and boy did black folk vote. We rewrote the constitution and won 33 positions in the state government. Fair and fucking square. The Southern states rights conservatives, the group we now call Republicans, didn't take kindly to that though. They refused to seat us, all of us. All the newly elected black politicians that is. The federal government had to intervene on our behalf. We had to fight just to get our rightfully earned seats, brother. To put that into perspective, the seats won by black representatives in a state that was about half black were only a sixth of the positions in Georgia's government. And they wouldn't even let us have that. The white majority, who called themselves Redeemers, conspired to reinforce white supremacy and remove black members from the assembly by barring them from holding office. Their membership was deemed ineligible on the grounds of us being black. We refused to take a line down though. We did what we often did when we needed each other. We gathered around and had us a cookout. This is WCOOK, the cookout. Still with us? Just keep on coming. <laughs> That's what I like to hear. We got a treat for y'all. A guest. One of the real OG. My brother in arms. Tunis Campbell. Tunis, give the people some love. Yo, Harry, what's going on, man? What's going on, old school? Long time no talk. What that $20 you owe me? Nigga, I know you ain't just asking me about no $20. I told you I'm good for it. We on live radio. Tunis Campbell was an influential African-American politician in 19th century Georgia. He founded an anti-colonization society in 1832 and pledged to, quote, never leave this country until every slave was free on American soil. Tunis pushed for equal education, integrated jury boxes, abolishing debtors' prisons, desegregated public facilities, and equal voting rights. He helped get a lot of good work done. I am a massive fan of your work, Mr. Kent. Michael over here has some questions about 1868. Wait, 
You mean that time we learned you can't invite white folk to the cookout? Ever heard of reparations? Well, Tunis Campbell was the guy in charge of giving out 40 acres and a mule to freedmen. The U.S. government took the land back and gave it to the Confederate traders, but Campbell had already built a whole county of black landowners in Belleville, Georgia, a community with its own food supply, a functional justice system, and a 300-man army ready to fight the KKK. But to the Redeemers, Tunis's black power structure was too much of a threat. They burned down his home, and he still wouldn't give in. Man, they tried to poison me, too. Did Tuna tell you? That's right. Damn, they was gunning for you. Fuckers, you can't poison a man who willingly eats chitlins dum-dums. Years later, they jailed Tunis on trumped-up charges. They wanted his seat. I mean, they took it, and they kept taking me to court over even more bullshit. Tunis went to D.C. to meet with President Ulysses S. Grant to urge his government to intervene actively and save Reconstruction. His appeal failed. Instead... Bruh, I was arrested. Then I was tried. They convicted me of malfeasance in office. I was taken from a Savannah jail, handcuffed, chained, and leased to a damn convict labor camp for one year. Yep. Damn. All because someone wanted to invite white folks to the cookout? Y'all calm the hell down. We supposed to be having a good time. Now, Della, Della Rees Jackson, put that knife down. And look, put on some real music. I want to hear my man Luther. Never too much. The brutality Tunis Campbell experienced was backlash from the rally. After the break, we find out how a cookout turned into a massacre. How does AI even work? Where does creativity come from? What's the secret to living longer? TED Radio Hour explores the biggest questions with some of the world's greatest thinkers. They will surprise, challenge, and even change you. Listen to NPR's TED Radio Hour wherever you get your podcasts. Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now, we're taking center stage. Introducing NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, a collection of Black-led stories from NPR's podcasts. Search NPR Black Stories, Black Truths wherever you get your podcasts. Let's get back into this episode. W-C-O-O-K. We now go to the traffic. And while we're there, let's peek the weather real quick. Two birds, one station, baby. Weather on the ones, W-C-O-O-K, the cookout. Pull up to our bumper if you're in bumper-to-bumper traffic. The lovely and talented, my sister Stacy, a report for the good people, please. Since you asked real nice, I got you. Folks, Stacy here with your weather. Wait, what's the exact format for this episode? I mean, are we sure we're not complicated? Don't ruin it, man. But, Just go with it. Go okay, with it. okay, going with it. Reporting live on a hot summer day from the cookout. Ain't it just lovely? I'm trying to get someone to bring me a plate of those ribs once they done. <laughs> Two weeks after the black legislators had been ousted, on September 19th, 1868, hundreds of black voters planned to march 25 miles from Albany to Camilla, Georgia, to hold a protest rally at the courthouse. 
If you're heading to us here at the cookout, please note that temperatures will be peaking. It's hotter than Herman Cain and Hill right now. So stay hydrated. Thirst, not it. Also out, natural deodorant. Baby, that's not gonna cut it today, okay? We're gonna need that aluminum. Trust. Oh, and wear sunscreen. Look, I wish it were, but melanin is just not enough. Melanoma don't have no favorites, so don't be playing up in her face, all right? All right? All right. Speaking of folks joining us down here at the cookout today, remember to never disclose our location to anyone of the Caucasian persuasion ever. How's the traffic, Stacey? Watch out for 12. It's always the 12. Always the 12, man. Mm-hmm. The 12 again. As the caravan passed through smaller towns, the number of supporters grew to the hundreds. It was festive until they got to the edge of town. Somehow, the white folks in Camilla had gotten word that a group of black folk were headed there. Let's talk about the actual cookout. What was the energy like in the procession? The energy was high. We hired a band, there was food, it was a protest, but it was also a celebration. What was the first sign that things were off? The local whites sent a man on horseback, told us to turn around. Our music wasn't welcome in their town. They also requested that we leave our weapons there. Fuck off. That's what we said. Five days before the cookout, the state of Georgia passed a resolution to, quote, prohibit armed and unlawful assemblages. The new law was aimed directly at the black protesters. But not knowing that someone had blown up their spot and believing their constitutional right to assemble would be honored, the group entered the town. When they reached the town's courthouse square, Camellia's white residents, not just the police or the Klan or the White League, but all the white people were waiting. It was an ambush. Man, they was everywhere. Doorways, rooftops. They all pointed their guns right at us and open fight. Hundreds of primarily black protesters at the political rally marched into a mass lynching at the hands of white supremacists, policemen, and ex-Confederates. So these were just regular ass white folks? The sheriff kicked the whole thing off. But yeah, otherwise, regular ass white, just the everyday kind, they all joined in. Hey, were these the white folks that were invited to the cookout? I don't know about invited. Someone told them, hence, Undisclosed location. Exactly. W-C-O-O-K, the cookout. Don't tell nobody. They hunted survivors down, making sure to shoot and kill even those who had laid on the ground. They killed around a dozen people and wounded dozens more. Only two black people showed up at polling stations in the election after the Camilla massacre. When black voters across the state did show up to vote, White poll workers changed their votes or just threw them away. Because of this, white Democrats took over the legislature and rewrote the Constitution. The new Constitution included black codes, which officially banned black people from voting. The violent insurrection worked. You're on WCOOK, the cookout. You've got DJ Freeman. When y'all gonna start playing some good Christian music? Unless you're talking about Reverend Al Green, uh, respectfully, ma'am, no. W-C-O-O-K, the cookout, is not Bible study. 
Folks, we are now joined by another survivor of the first cookout, Miss Essie Mae Davis. Essie Mae, welcome to the show. Essie was trapped in one of the wells they had dug in preparation for the ambush. One second, we've got music going, we're marching, we're chanting, we're dancing. Next thing you know, I'm like Timmy on Lassie, stuck at the bottom of a fucking well. You were quite literally in the pit. Literally. But Michael, I can't stop wondering, who invited the white folks to the cookout? Actually, what do we even know about them? Are we talking about the allies? The white allies? Oh, I know who did it. Wait. Essie, you know who invited them white folks to the cookout and you didn't tell me? It must have slipped my mind. I don't know if you heard, but I was in a well. Points are being made. So who did it, Essie? How did they find out? Well, in Albany, there was this old Jason Whitlock type Negro named Crawford Bronax. He sent a letter to the sheriff and Camilla to tell him that we were planning some kind of party and we were bringing guns. Crawford? Crawford? That old scalawag, wait till I see him. I know he's dead, but I'm gonna kill him again. I knew I couldn't trust him. He don't wash his chicken. That's what you get for not supporting black women. What you mean? DJ Friedman over here hasn't told you? I was getting there. She's ready. Ooh, bathroom break. Uh, weak bladder. Stacey, you got this? Go. W-C-O-O-K, the cookout. Remember to put the seat down. Sexy pig. What's good, good? This is DJ AB, a.k.a. DJ Selena, a.k.a. Stacy with the traffic and the weather. And you're listening to WCOOK, The Cookout, for the culture and only the culture. Black women were the reason the original 33 got into office. They were the ones who organized the black vote. Although women are rarely brought up when discussing the movement, they were pivotal. They opened black schools and taught freedmen about the political process. But the state constitution didn't extend the right to vote to women. The erasure of black women in history is a pattern that keeps repeating itself. Check this out. A black woman can turn the state of Georgia blue. But then when she runs for office, suddenly everyone wants to act like they forgot how to vote. The Supreme Court of Georgia ruled two to one that black people did have a right to hold office in Georgia despite being black. The following year, Alfred H. Terry began Terry's Purge. Not to be confused with Teddy's Jam, which we played earlier today on WCOOK, the cookout. We got more hits for you, so stay tuned. Terry ran up on all the Confederates in the General Assembly. They had all been elected through violence and terrorism, and Terry was like, Not on my watch. Now, Terry? He was an ally. Of course he can't come to the cookout either. We can never be too safe. Terry reinstated all the black legislators, which gave the Republican Party a majority in both houses, and they didn't waste time shaking things up. The General Assembly accomplished the ratification of the 15th Amendment, chose new senators to go to Washington, and adopted public education. We literally wouldn't have public education in Georgia. Heck, we wouldn't have public education in all of America if it wasn't for black people. Period. We really do make everything better. A lot of that change came through the voting exercise. Right. Which is why we are asking people to stop by the voting section of the cookout. We have a tent set up to help you register to vote if you've never voted before and a tent to ensure you're still registered because these white folks think they slick. 
actually, they are kind of slick. That's how they gain control of politics. I keep hearing y'all talking about Republicans this and Democrats that, but that's not quite what happened. I know that, and I was down a well. We'll continue this episode right after this break. What if millions of Black Americans had been compensated for slavery? Join me, Tremaine Lee, as I explore the untold story of one of the only Black Americans who ever was. I talk to his descendants and discuss how reparations forever change their family's trajectory and imagine a reality where reparations are paid to the rest of Black America. Into America presents Uncounted Millions, The Power of Reparations, a Black History Month series. New episodes drop Thursdays. Listen now, wherever you get your podcasts. Do you ever wonder how celebrities order food? Like, is Sarah Paulson a Diet Coke or a regular Coke girlie? (laughs) Some peasant Coke? No. Or how does Sofia Vergara order a pizza? No, no, no tomatoes. I cannot eat tomatoes. Are you killed mushrooms? Not really. (laughs) If these are the details you need, and I know you do, I have the podcast for you. I'm Jesse Tyler Ferguson, and on my podcast, Dinners on Me, I take some notable friends of mine out to dinners in Los Angeles and New York City. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. That thing was delicious. This is Brandon Victor Dixon, and you're listening to Drapedomaniacs, Unshackled History. Contrary to popular belief, it wasn't just the conservative Democrats who so-called redeemed the state. When black folks helped Republicans regain control of the legislature, white Republicans formed their own anti-black wing of the party called the Lily White Republicans. The terrorism, violence, and intimidation wasn't about party politics. It was about white power. One quarter of the original 33 were killed, threatened, beaten, or jailed. The last one standing, William H. Rogers, resigned in 1907 because of that violence. No African-American was elected to the Georgia legislature again until civil rights attorney Leroy Johnson, a Democrat, was elected to the state Senate in 1962. That's 96 years after the original 33 was elected. To put that into perspective, 96 years is how old Ron DeSantis looks. Damn. He's 44 in Caucasian years, but, you know, same difference. That's how long it took to get another black politician elected in Georgia. The Camilla massacre was so egregious that Georgia's admission to the union was revoked, making Georgia the first and only state to be kicked out of America twice for being too racist. They never reseated any of the original 33, and the Camilla massacre wasn't recognized until 1998. If this story sounds familiar, that's because... It is. The violent insurrection wasn't unique to Georgia. North Carolina's Camilla Massacre was called the Kirk Holden War. In South Carolina, it was called the Hamburg Massacre. Alabama had the Eufaula Coup. Mississippi had three. Louisiana had too many to count. The point is that these were not random acts. They were part of a nationwide terrorism campaign that successfully overthrew the government to usher in the Jim Crow era. In April 2023, Tennessee lawmakers expelled two black legislators, Justin Jones and Justin Pearson, 
from the State House of Representatives after they took part in a protest against gun violence. But somehow, the white woman who protested by their side, a woman named Stacy Johnson, wasn't kicked out of her seat. Quite the coincidence. The cookout is not just a metaphor. A cookout is life. It is liberty. It is a place where we can be in community without having to pursue happiness. Because, as history has taught us, we gotta stop inviting people who might take it away. On the next episode of Drapetomaniac's Unshackled History. Once upon a time in the wonderland of North Carolina, Miss Little Karen in training was playing around with the boys. She gave James and David an innocent kiss on the jaw, but this wasn't just any ordinary peck. She cursed them with the poison whisper. You'll hear the story of how a simple childhood kiss forced a town filled with armed dreptomaniacs to go to war against their state's entire criminal justice system. Drapetomaniacs is a collaboration between Other Tone, Sony Music Entertainment, and Queer Media. This podcast is produced by Nolika Radway and Moses Shoyola, with senior producer Jalicia Francis, managing producer Joanne DeLuna, production coordinator Homero Radway, and production assistant Jillian Roberts Atkinson. Executive producers for this show are Pharrell Williams and Scott Venner. Our head writer is Silas Miami. Our writing team includes Roderick Morrow, Danielle Solomon, Dallas Rico, and Randolph Terrence Sturdivant. Special thanks to voice actors Andrea O'Brien Vives, Blue Radway, Q Daly, Deborah Betty, Rise Sparkman, Taylor Lamel, and Shalewa McCall. Our sound engineer is Tony Paulson. Our fact checker is LaPortia Thomas. Music supervisor is Patricia Wangeshi Kihoro. The theme song is Freedom by Pharrell Williams. The music featured on this episode include Family and What by Walls, Operator by White Drift, and Get Off Your Feet by Margareta. This episode featured Brian Forte as Henry McNeil Turner, Roland Martin as Tunis Campbell, and Nina Hibbler-Webster as Stacy. Read more by Michael Harriet at thegrio.com.